This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. And again, good morning. Uh, if we've not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tim Catlett, and I have the great privilege to serve as one of the pastors uh, for our church family. And I am grateful that we get to continue to worship together, uh, even when we cannot uh, be together uh, physically. We can still be together virtually through an online connection. And so thank you for taking time this morning to worship with us, to connect with each other, uh, to care for each other as we continue to be the church, uh, even as we are separated by distance. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue a sermon series that began last week. And so our sermon series last week uh, started with Acts chapter 2. Pastor Laura led us to explore what it means to be the early church. Uh, This morning, uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 7. And it's all part of a sermon series that we're calling uh, Born Of. And the title for that series, Born Of, comes from two different places. Uh, The first is from John uh, chapter 3, verse 5. And this is Jesus speaking about what it means to be a disciple. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Jesus, Jesus was pointing towards a time where the spirit would come and give new life, new birth, uh, new ways of being to his church. And that came very shortly thereafter. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks uh, at Pentecost on May 31st, when we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, uh, pours out on the apostles, on the early church, where uh, 3,000 that day uh, come to experience uh, the good news of Jesus and begin to follow uh, this early Christian movement uh, that becomes what we know today uh, as the church. And so throughout this uh, month of, uh, of uh, May, as we explore what it means to be the church and, and what it means to be born of the Spirit, uh, part of what I hope we'll do is we look at two different questions. And those are, these are them. Uh, the first is, what is the Holy Spirit uh, giving birth to in us? And the second is, what is the Holy Spirit uh, giving birth to uh, in our church? And this will be the conversation that we're having uh, throughout this month. This morning, we'll be looking at uh, the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Uh, This is the appointed lectionary text for today. Uh, We've used the revised common lectionary all year, uh, beginning in January. The chance for us to stay connected to churches, uh, not just in our community of faith, but across the community and around the world. Um, Churches like the Lutheran Church, uh, the Anglicans, the Episcopalians, and of course, many United Methodist churches Uh, use the Revised Common Lectionary as a way for us to study Scripture uh, with our sisters and brothers in Christ uh, around the world. And so we've been engaging that practice uh, as well. But before we read from Acts chapter 7 today, I invite us to this time of prayer. So let us pray. Almighty God, I give you thanks for the Scriptures. I thank you for the ways that your Word connects us to you connects us to one another, and connects us with Christians, sisters, and brothers in our community and around the world. As we read your word today and hear it proclaimed, I do humbly ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they may be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So I invite you to turn with me this morning uh, to Acts chapter 7. We're going to be reading, beginning with verse 54, 
Uh, for some of you, uh, you'll be reading in a physical Bible like this. So hopefully you'll uh, pull those out. Uh, some of you may use an app uh, or, or look at Scripture online. Uh, the words will also be on the screen uh, this morning for you. I uh, hear this story of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Uh, when they heard these things, uh, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears. With a loud shout, all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then Stephen knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died, and Saul approved of their killing him. Uh, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Uh, thanks be to God. So Stephen, uh, who was a servant of the early church, uh, was serving in such a way uh, that he was causing conflict with the Jewish authorities of the time. Uh, following Jesus was considered blasphemy by Jewish leaders, and so the punishment for blasphemy, uh, for diso disobedience to God, uh, in this case, uh, was stoning. And so they took him out uh, to punish him for uh, this, uh, this crime against the church, the temple, uh, and against God. And one thing that we want to ask this morning is the same two questions we asked before, which is, you know, as you think about Stephen and what, what the Spirit was giving birth to in Stephen, again, what we're asking is just like the Spirit gave birth to something in Stephen, you know, what is the Spirit giving birth to in us? And what is the Holy Spirit giving birth to in our church? And, and one answer to that that I think we can learn from this story uh, is that the Spirit gives birth to, or in us, uh, a spirit of courage. The Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to, to be courageous uh, in light of fear and those things that we might be afraid of. Uh, the simple title for this sermon today uh, is uh, Born of Courage. And so the questions that I want us to explore today is what does that mean for us? What does it mean to be a courageous people? Uh, more often than not, when we uh, ask questions of courage, uh, we contrast courage uh, with fear. Uh, last January, we did an entire sermon series uh, about a year ago on fear. And we spent five weeks uh, talking about things like uh, the fear of change and the fear of intimacy, the fear of failure, the fear of our enemies, and the fear of suffering. And we talked about fear in light of all of the places in Scripture where messengers from God uh, come to us and say, do not be afraid. Angels, prophets, teachers, leaders, when they're speaking on behalf of God, remind us that God's invitation to us is to not be afraid. In fact, it's not just something that comes from Scripture. Uh, this idea of courage and fear is something that we see all over the place. We see it in quotes uh, from, from leaders, from people uh, trying to inspire and lead us. Uh, this is from Nelson Mandela as he talks about courage and fear. Mandela says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. 
The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Another quote on courage and fear comes from Ambrose Redmoon, uh, who says this, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than one's fear. And Scripture talks about this all over the, all over the place as well. Uh, in First Chronicles uh, 28, verse 20, uh, David says to his son Solomon, uh, Be strong and of good courage and act. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until, and until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And then in the New Testament, when Paul is talking to the church uh, in, Cor- in Corinth, an early Christian church, he says this, keep alert, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong. So what do we do with this idea of courage? What does a courage that is born in us by the Holy Spirit mean for us as Christ followers? For Stephen, uh, there were really two outcomes to his courage. Stephen was one who was filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the wisdom of God. And, and there's two things that came about that courageous faith in Jesus in a time where the community and culture around him uh, was pushing back against what it meant to follow Jesus. The first thing we read about in Acts chapter 7, one outcome of his courageous faith uh, led to Stephen's death. Because his choice to follow Jesus was in conflict uh, with those Jewish authorities and leaders, that led to a place where uh, Stephen ultimately uh, was stoned for blasphemy. But another outcome that I want to spend some time on this morning is not just how he died, but Stephen's courage born in him by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus, also led to a transformation of Stephen's life. The way he lived was changed because he had the, the courage to follow Jesus. Well, let's go back to chapter in Acts, Acts chapter 6. So I invite you to flip with me in your Bibles uh, back to Acts 6, uh, verses 1 through 6. And we find ourselves at a crossroads uh, in the Christian movement. We have a time where the church is growing very quickly, Uh, The apostles have gone out uh, into the world to share the good news of Jesus. Uh, Thousands of people are coming to know Christ. Uh, They are uh, giving birth to these new churches, these uh, often underground or in-home communities where people were doing the things Pastor Laura talked about last week. Uh, Prayer, uh, studying the scriptures, uh, fellowship, breaking bread together, and caring for all those uh, that were in need. And as those communities were being born, the apostles would come back home And when they got home, they were challenged about how the communities that they left behind were being cared for. This is what happens. This is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now, during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the Word. And what they said pleased the whole community. 
And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Aprochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. And they had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So we find ourselves in the early church. And the apostles are seeing great fruit from their work in preaching and teaching and and encouraging and building new communities of faith. And as they're doing that work, more and more people are coming to know Christ and to to become this Christian movement that again has blossomed over two millennia to become the greater church. But as they were doing that, people back home were saying, the very care for our community is not happening. And the apostle says, you're right. It's not happening the way that it should be happening. And so rather than uh, us try to be stretched between these two places, we believe God is calling others to come and step in this gap and to care for those widows among us, those vulnerable people who need that care. And so they sought the Holy Spirit to identify who those people were. And the very first person they named was Stephen. It says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, was set aside be part of this movement to care for the sick, the vulnerable, the widows among God's people. What a gift. What a gift that Stephen shows us that his courageous life, his spirit-filled life that gives birth in him this courageous faith chose then to use his life and vocation to serve, to be a helper. Now, we know this pandemic has brought about many difficult and challenging things. It has brought about a time when uh, it's, it's difficult, it's hard. There's many sick, there's many who are dying. But there's also been a lot of things that we've seen uh, good come about uh, this time apart. And one of the things that I'm really um, thankful for is all the places where uh, helpers are being recognized and celebrated uh, for their courageous choices uh, to serve with their lives and their vocation. Uh, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago, it feels like, or a few months ago almost now, uh, right at the very beginning, as parents were realizing what it would take to actually homeschool their kids uh, during this time, uh, several celebrities and others on Twitter and other places uh, made comments about that. Uh, here's one of them from Shonda Rhimes. You may have seen this. Uh, Shonda wrote this. She said, been homeschooling a six-year-old and eight-year-old for about one hour and 11 minutes. Teachers deserve to make a billion dollars a year. <laughs> Or a week. Uh, Every night in New York City at 7 p.m., residents open their windows and uh, they start to clap or make noise to to give thanks uh, for those who are working in healthcare and say thank you for those all those who are helping in their city. In 2018, a Christian magazine put out an article that talked about helping professions and how many of us are called by the Spirit to help in our communities. And they listed four. They highlighted four things. There are many more. These are the four they lifted up. They said things like nursing and healthcare, teaching, counseling, community first responders, police, firefighters, EMTs, and there are many others. In our church, we have been pausing to to give thanks for those who are helping. Some of you helped us do this. There's a website that we have up at www.apexumc.org slash helpers. And if you get a chance to go to that website, you can either nominate somebody uh, or invite us to be praying alongside of those who are serving. Uh, one of those who has shared their story and is going to share more of their story today is Dr. Shirley Wong. And Pastor Laura, earlier this week, uh, invited Shirley to share uh, why uh, she's a helper, 
and why she chose the profession she did. Let's watch. Good morning, everybody. I'm here with Dr. Shirley Wong. Many of you know her as Shirley Spedding. She is very involved at Apex. Um, she and her family are, are both very involved at Apex, and I'm excited to be talking with her today for her to share a little bit about how her faith has um, given her the courage to, to live into who God has called her to be. So Shirley is a pediatric doctor by day, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about what that looks like in her life, what she does as a, as a doctor. Good morning. So I am a pediatrician at Wake Med. Um, my specialty is in nutrition and weight management and cholesterol management for kids. So um, big picture, I really help kids and their whole families um, be healthier overall. Awesome. Thank you for that work that you do. I'm curious, Shirley, how did your faith influence your career decision to serve others? Well, you know, when I was in college, um, I was a nutrition major, so I kind of knew that I wanted to help people be healthier. Um, I just didn't really know how I was going to be able to do that. And I think throughout the course of my college years, God was really showing me what my gifts were and how I could really embrace those gifts. And I think, you know, part of the challenge at that time was that um, I had a lot of fears, you know, I was afraid that I wasn't smart enough to be able to take care of people's lives. You know, I was afraid of the long road that was ahead of me. Um, four years of med school and residency and fellowships is a long time to commit to one path. Um, I was afraid of blood. I do not do well with blood and I get queasy. So you know, what kind of doctor doesn't do all with blood? I wasn't quite sure how to kind of, you know, um, how to reconcile that. And, you know, I was also very proud. You know, my parents always thought that I should be a doctor because I always did well in school and, you know, I was good at science, but I wanted to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> they wanted to do. So, you know, I think um, God really showed me how to um, be more humble um, how to embrace some of my fears um, and how to embrace my skill sets um, and really listen to how do I utilize my gifts well so that I could carry out God's work um, and to know that in the end, whatever path I take, um, God will always be there to walk with me um, and to take that leap of faith that, yeah, there is something that I could do much more with his help. Um, and with my skill set, and how do I move forward with that? That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. When you think about your work today, how does your in, how does your faith influence how you do your job? Well, you know, I think um, my faith really gives me a standard of how I conduct myself, how I interact with people, um, how I talk with people. You know, for me, I always feel like I'm not the greatest evangelizer. I'm not a, you know, a great person who can speak the gospel like other people may. But I always feel that if I can show people what God looks like or who Jesus looks like or what a glimpse of what the fruits of the spirit might be, 
through my interactions, if they can see joy, peace, love, gentleness, even these small little qualities, then I feel that I am able to be part of God's mission work out in the medical field, but maybe in a different way. I love that. Yes. Um, That's so beautiful. And I feel like that speaks so much to what our day-to-day lives look like, that it's the little interactions, little ways we carry ourselves. That's just awesome. So in your work right now, um, in this time in which we find ourselves, where have you experienced God's love and God's presence? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think we're in one of the most challenging times that our world has ever been through. Um, And it's been really amazing just to see God's love shown between people, Um, just the outpouring of the support that has been given to the hospital, the healthcare providers, you know, even our own church, people are making masks for for folks. Um, Every day I hear of donations of meals like given to the providers and, you know, the community support um, and service um, that has been shown to the hospital has been so um, huge um, and, and very appreciated as well, too. Um, in my day-to-day work, you know, I think it's also important to see God's love not just being shown to each other, but I also see God's love shown in people when they see love for themselves. And I think in my line of work, so many people get to their place in their life for many different reasons. You know, they may have gone through traumatic, traumatic events, or maybe they just made some poor choices, or maybe they just, this is how they were raised. Um, and so they got to the place where they were. And I do see some kids and teens um, look in the mirror and are not happy with themselves. Mm. And when I see um, that glimpse of hope, And at some point when they can turn to me and say, wow, I had no idea that I had it in myself to be able to make some of those changes or to do the the things I wanted to do. Um, To me, I think that's one of the most powerful images of God's love when they can be able to really love themselves. And I feel so lucky that I can be part of that process. And maybe it wasn't in the way that they had expected, but maybe it's in a different way that they can still be really appreciated um, and embraced for themselves as well. Oh, Shirley, that is so powerful. And, and I love that remembrance that as Christians, we have a chance to help people see how beloved they are and how much worth and value they have simply because they are God's children. God made them. God loves them. They are worthy of love. And that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for answering your call and to, to use your gifts in spite of all the fears that held you from doing so. Thank you for, for taking that leap of faith and following through with that. We are inspired by that story. And thank you for sharing it with us. Um, I I know that it will speak to a lot of people today as it has to me. So thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you so much. Blessings to you, Shirley. Uh, Thank you to Dr. Shirley Wong for sharing her story with us. 
uh, one of the things that we hope that we'll have a chance to do each week that uh, you know, when we're together, uh, we get to hear each other's stories. We get to see each other and, and hear how God is moving in our lives. When we're apart, we don't get a chance to see that in this rhythm. And so uh, story, stories like uh, Dr. Shirley Wong's story, shows like, stories like the, Jacob's last week allow us uh, to, to hear how God's moving in our lives. We hope to continue to do this as we uh, move forward this month. Uh, a couple other places I just want you to be aware of where this is happening. Uh, one, in our very church, we have a group of people called Stephen Ministers or Stephen Ministry uh, Leaders and Servants. Uh, Stephen Ministry is named after Stephen. It comes from this idea that we might be called to have courage to help uh, one another. And there's so many people in our church that are choosing helping professions, that are volunteering their time. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for the ways that you are allowing the Spirit to give birth in you, a spirit of courage uh, to help and serve uh, our neighbors uh, and our community uh, and our world. This morning, I'm going to close with a few questions. And these are questions we have about a minute to process. Uh, there's three. Uh, they're going to be on your screen uh, here. Uh, and what I'm going to invite you to do is, is, is read through them. And then you're going to choose one and just spend about a minute with the people you're with or on YouTube on the right-hand side or on the message side. Type in an answer. You can journal an answer. But a chance for you to have a conversation about this morning. The first is, who do you know who is using their God-given gifts to help and serve others? Number two, how can you tangibly thank those who are using their God-given gifts to help and serve others? And number three, How is the Holy Spirit moving in you to have the courage to help and serve others with your job, vocationally, or in the ways you spend your time, energy, money, or other spiritual gifts? Again, I invite you to take one minute to have this conversation either online on YouTube uh, or uh, with those around you uh, this morning. Thank you for having those conversations. I hope you'll continue those conversations with each other, uh, maybe in your own personal walk uh, with Christ this week. Um, I'm going to close with a prayer. Uh, and the prayer is a part of a prayer that I prayed uh, for our church last week. It's a prayer for the helpers. And so I'm going to invite us to this time of prayer as we close this, uh, this moment in worship. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, we pray for hospital staff and healthcare workers. Please give skill, sympathy, and resilience to all who are caring for the sick and your wisdom to those searching for a cure. Strengthen them with your spirit that through their work, many will be restored to health. We are not people of fear. We are people of courage. We are not people who protect our own safety. We are people who protect our neighbor's safety. We are not people of greed. We are people of generosity. We are your people, God, giving and loving wherever we are, whatever it costs, for as long as it takes, wherever you call us. In Christ's holy name.